Uh, as I was saying last week, those who are here, um, Pip and I have a brand new granddaughter, born a week and a half ago now. Uh, but in the days following her birth, I experienced a feeling I'd not really had before. The feeling that you want to be with your son and daughter-in-law and your grandchild, but you can't be there. And it's a feeling of a mixture of sadness, a feeling of absence. Now, I'm sure many of you who have family overseas or friends, uh, or even somewhere around our own country, you don't see very often, so you're familiar with this, this feeling of absence. Especially in these days of limited travel because of COVID. What's that like? What does absence feel like? Mostly we stay busy, don't we, and we push the feelings down. But at quiet times they surface. As I said earlier, today is the first Sunday of Advent. And the Old Testament reading from Isaiah is very, very good and very moving. Um, Isaiah 64 was written by the prophet toward the end of his life. Kind of get yourself into his headspace. When he'd arrived back from exile, close your eyes and imagine him uh, standing in the ruins of the once proud city of Jerusalem. And the walls are also in ruins around about him, and the ruins of the temple lie not too far distant. And the enemies of Israel have been harassing those trying to rebuild the city. So there's conflict, and there's disappointment. And from the ruins, the prophet cries out to God, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood, and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. So the prophet cries out, tear open the heavens and come down. This is a demand, a challenge to God. Come from where you are, to where we need help. Open a way and come and help us. Do something great and mighty so that your enemies will sit up and take notice. Tear open the heavens and come down. Then in verses 3 and 4, the prophet thinks back to the days when God did indeed come down. It says, when you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down. The mountains quaked at your presence. He's thinking, of course, of the escape from Egypt, the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. The manna in the wilderness, the walls of Jericho, and David's great victory over Goliath. These are tangible uh, situations that he's calling to mind in the country's past. He remembers when God had displayed his power in days gone by. He came down and did great things. But that was then, and this is now. And the prophet stands in the ruins and there's silence. God, God seems absent. Instead of presence, there is absence. And Isaiah laments over this absence in a particular way. In verse 5 it says, But you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. And again in verse 7 it says, There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us. So the repetition of the word presence in verses 2 and 3 is kind of matched by the repetition of the word hidden in verses 5 and 7. God was present in the past, 
But now he's hidden. And it's not that people have hidden themselves from God, but that God actually appears to have hidden himself from them. In all the prophets' woes, among the crumbling ruins of the city of Jerusalem, God is not present. He is hidden, and that is the cause of great anguish. I wonder how many of us have, as it were, stood in the ruins, or it felt like, the ruins of our lives, or the ruins of our faith, and God has seemed absent. God was hidden. The hiddenness of God is a common experience among Christians. Even those who've walked with God for a lifetime have sometimes experienced God as detached or absent or even neglectful. Perhaps this describes your situation right now. Philip Yancey once said, I experienced a sense of abandonment just as I was making progress spiritually. Suddenly, the darkness descended. For an entire year, my prayers seemed to go nowhere. I had no confidence that God was listening. No one had prepared me with the ministry of absence. Do you relate to any of these feelings at all? There's a very moving scene in that great 2014 film, Boyhood. Remember that film? It's only five, six years ago. When Mason, who's 18, is getting ready to go to university and his mum is sitting in the kitchen, you'll remember this scene, it was incredible, and he's packing up to go and she begins to cry. And Mason says, what's the matter, mum? She replies, this is the worst day of my life. I knew this day was coming, but I didn't know you'd be so happy to be leaving. My life is just going to go just like that, a series of milestones. And then she lists a whole lot of life's milestones that we've all experienced in the film, including her own funeral. And Mason says, aren't you getting like 40 years ahead of yourself at that point? It was quite a little bit of humour and something that was quite serious. And then she finishes with the comment, I just thought there would be more. And it's really a great scene because many parents, including my wife and I, have experienced the empty nest Syndrome, when your children leave home, you can feel lonely and empty. But the emptiness is not a void. It's not a vacuum where there's nothing. The absence is there because there was someone before who was with you in your home. And they're not present anymore. The absence is there because there once was a presence of a person. There's a certain shape to the absence. And this is the basis of the longing that we feel. And Isaiah is very aware of this. He says in verse 8, Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. The prophet recognizes that even in the midst of of the darkness and the hiddenness of God, there is still something going on. God is at work with us. In the darkness, God is shaping us as a potter shapes a lump of clay. 
God is our Father. He cares about us and is working with us even when we don't know it. Some spiritual leaders say that the absence of God is even more purposeful than the presence of God. Consider Job. When God allowed him to become the plaything of Satan, Job's faith remained strong. It was a test to see if Job would maintain his faith in spite of the circumstances and not because of them. Everything precious to him was stripped away and yet he remained faithful to God. In spite of the anguish of absence, it served a greater purpose even than presence. So what does all this have to do with Advent? Well, Advent is the time before the dawn when often people say the darkness seems deepest just before the sun comes up. It's about longing for God to come down but not yet seeing it. It's about the absence of God. And of course our consumer society has the effect of anaesthetising us whereby the allurement of goods and a certain way of life which is advertised incessantly prevent us from really feeling either the presence of God or indeed the absence of God. And so naturally, the pressure and the distractions of Christmas spill back even earlier and earlier into November. And Advent becomes kind of like a pre-Christmas Christmas, a kind of pre-publication sale, instead of a separate spiritual season to help us prepare for the coming of Christ. So in answer to Mason's mother's lament, I just thought there would be more. My answer is, there is more to life than the milestones of life. There is more to life than the material world that surrounds us. The more we long for is God himself. Now God may be hidden from us, but he's still there. We need to engage with God on his terms and not impose our conditions on him. Oh, God should operate and act in these certain ways. No. God reserves the right to keep us waiting and even the right to remain hidden for a time. We must believe that there is purpose in this. In faith, we believe that God is working with us as a potter works with a lump of clay in faith, we believe that even though the, the night is dark, the dawn is coming. In faith, we believe that the darkness is not emptiness, but has the shape of our Lord Jesus Christ, who we long will come in his fullness. And every eye shall see and every knee shall bow. We long for our Lord Jesus Christ to come down. As the prophet longed for God to do something, in Christ, he did indeed come down and lived among us. So let us keep a disciplined Advent this year. Don't rush ahead toward Christmas. Don't get caught up in the world's scheme to superficially sate our thirst for God in other ways. Feel the longing, feel the absence of God, 
If that applies, it might not apply to you. But look forward to the coming of Christ on Christmas Day, who is the fulfilment of all our longings and hopes. Nigel, could you come and lead us in prayer?